Hey guys, thanks for taking the drive down State Street. In this episode, we welcome on relocation manager at Revamped Home Security and our former teammate, Emmett Kulik. Ladies and gentlemen, how the heck are we? Uh, or are you guys, excuse me? <laughs> I got ahead of myself a little bit. Uh, apologize. This is Nick Kleitch, uh, co host and voice of the State Street Podcast. And with me, as always, are my good friends, Cole Sazinski and Jeremy Machino. Gentlemen, how are we? We, I think, just had one of the most fun interviews that we've had so far. And no, like, dissing to Sam, Dom, or Zach. They were great guests, and they, they did amazing in, in how they presented themselves. But having our guest Emmett Kulik on and our former roommate, being Cole's former roommate and Nick's former teammate for basically his whole Upper Iowa career, it was an absolute blast. I think Nick said it best when, when he said that, you know, Emmett came on this podcast at the perfect time. We needed to break up the monotony of the seriousness that we've had and, and, and we've gotten deep, you know, on this podcast, but I think Emmett brings a certain energy and like fun out of us that, that we needed. And we got to do a lot of laughing on this pod and we got to just talk to one of our, our good buddies and reminisce a little bit, but also talk about where he's at, where he's going and, and what he wants his life to look like for the next, you know, few years. Oh, for sure. And we just wanted to also use this as a platform to show you guys our personality a little bit more. So we don't just live and breathe personal development all the time, you know, from the moment we wake up to when we go to bed. And we really wanted to find a way to blend that in for you listeners is, is just showing us the, the personality a little bit and uh, having a little bit of fun. And uh, we do have an honest confession. Uh, not that the last episode was poor, but we were a little hungover. So there's proof that we are human beings as well too you know we had it we are 20 year olds right like we are 22 to 25 year olds we're like we're in that defining decade we can still have a little bit of fun we can afford that still (laughs) absolutely well just a quick synopsis on our guest uh this individual grew up just outside of green bay in De Pere, wisconsin if you know where that is uh definitely been immersed in sports his whole life growing up playing football hockey baseball uh chose to play baseball at upper iowa and he graduated with an exercise and sports studies degree. Super passionate, though, about playing golf, uh, exercise, spending time with family and friends. Uh, recently moved to Houston with his girlfriend and a new job. And we, ladies and gentlemen, will welcome on Emmett Kulik. And real quick, before we get to it, ladies, why don't you go ahead and kick your feet up and pour that nice glass of wine because we're going to take you on a ride. Emmett Kulik, what's going on, dude? How you doing, buddy? It's good to see your face. I know I'm doing freaking awesome, man. Um, I know we we're uh, just talking off air about uh, just golfing and had something you've been picking up lately. And uh, I feel like I have Cole. You have too, Jer. I'm not sure what your golfing career. I'm not looks good like at golf. Far. I try. <laughs> I've seen him um, golf. He kind of smashes my. Remember when you took my three wood and you kind of smashed it around a little bit? Oh, I, I can hit the three wood. <laughs> I can't hit anything else. Button, nope, chipping. Nope, three wood. Yep, driver. Absolutely not. That's your uh, that's your money swing or money club. But uh, real quick here, Emmett, just give a, a quick synopsis on you um, for our listeners so they know or have a little bit of better idea about you. Yeah. So basically, um, I went to Upper Iowa with you guys. I graduated in 2019. Uh, I played baseball with all you guys as well. 
Um, and then after that, I once I graduated, that's when I really got into golf. I started getting my golf jobs from there. That brought me down to West Palm Beach, Florida, where my grandma lived. Um, I stayed there with her for the winter, came back up and for my other golf job and back in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And then basically got a job, not a golf job, but I got a new job in Houston. And that's where I'm at right now. So, yeah, man, that's about, that's about it. Man, I'm in awesome. places. Yeah, no kidding. Absolutely. Well, we were talking off air. So you have not only just like you don't just occasionally play golf, but like you went off the deep end and like you love golf now. So like from a guy playing baseball heavily with us to maybe playing occasionally in school to where you are now, like we were just wondering, like, like what happened, man? You know, like, is this just the passion for life or what is it? Dude, honestly, the reason why I love golf so much is because. Like, I played in one competitive tournament that was in right when I got down to Florida. I was still shitty. Like, I should not have made that tournament, but I did. And I'm like, <laughs> like, complete, like, competitive golf is so much different than just recreational golf. But honestly, the thing that I liked most about it is that I've always played team sports my entire life. And golf is so individualized and it's like everything's on you. I just like being in that zone where it's just like, okay, if I fuck up, you, you can curse on this, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're good. Right, so if I fuck up, then it's it's completely on you at that point. Everything you do throughout the entire round, you can blame the weather. You can blame whatever. It doesn't matter. It's you making the shot. And that's all it is. So that's what really I like about it. Um, in the beginning of the senior year, um, everybody from school knows that I, uh, I got a DUI, so I got suspended from the team. So I didn't get to play any baseball, no contact with the team at all. And then I'm like, what am I going to do with all this fucking free time now? So we get free golf at Big Rock Golf Club in Fayette. So I'm like, all right, I'll just go out there and try to golf and see what happens. It's the only thing I can do with my time, dude. Fell in love with it, bro. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> um, I just like, the thing about it is too, is that I enjoy the process of practicing as well. And I wish I would have had that for baseball because I didn't have that at all. I didn't really like yeah. going to practice. Didn't like. <laughs> like anything about practice practice like gave me anxiety every time i had to go to it and it's not like i went to get better every day for baseball it's just like i kind of went to just go because i had to be there but for golf like every single time i'm out there on the range and whatever it be i just like the process of like tinkering around my swing and trying to get it the best i can hitting different kinds of shots so like that's also a thing i love about golf is i fell in love with the practice of it and that's like that's propelled me to be like much better than I was before. So that's pretty awesome, man. Yeah. Cause I don't think we would have ever predicted that from the outside looking in because of, um, I don't know. We just, we played football together or flag football anyway, you know, obviously baseball and some other sports, but of all of them, I didn't personally think that you would fall in love with that style of game, but was it just like hitting the driving range that first time? Or like, did you, did you pimp a, a drive down the middle and you're like, yep, this is it. Or like, what, what was the defining moment? Um, well, I always could ash the ball. The only thing I went out there to do is just, um, and whenever I play with like any buddies or anything that they don't play very often, they just kind of hit the ball around. But I fell in love with also this, the strategy of actually how to play golf, like how to get around the course, how to put, try to put your ball in certain spots. And like, I never thought about it that way ever. Like I never, I just thought you just go out there and you just whack it around, try to get close to the hole. But it's like there's so much more that goes into it. Like 
even like predicting like if there's wind off the left or right, you have to hit a certain kind of shot. You have to know that a certain type of shot's going to go a little further, a little higher, a little longer, whatever it may be. Like that whole process is just like, once I started actually getting into it and studying it, like watching the pros do it and listening to like Tiger or whatever it may be, do interviews about how they kind of go through their process. I'm just like, fuck yeah, man, I'm, I'm in on this. Yeah, were you were you uh um sorry call, I'm gonna ask this quick and then you can jump in here. Um, were you watching a lot of training footage or were you just like golfing all the time or like I, I know you had a lot of downtime, but like is that where yeah. you, what you were doing? It was both. I, I really got into watching professional golf. I started watching I had to buy, I'd actually pay sixty dollars for a whole year of like an NBC subscription because that was all it was on. But I watched it like every <laughs> every every tournament I watched like I tried to watch every round because I had so much downtime, man. But yeah, I just pretty much like I go play golf, I come back, and I just like get fucked up and watch that. <laughs> <laughs> I I definitely remember coming home from practice like Thursday, Fridays, and and sometimes Saturday you just you'd walk in Blast. and still on, sus- on suspension, he'd be blasted watching golf. <laughs> he'd, 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 go the, he'd go out to the course at like eight nine o'clock in the morning, hit someone up, be like, hey, you want to go go get some swings in? We'd go to practice, we'd come back, Emmett's already smashed on the couch yeah. watching golf. Because it was good, man. Like, I, I had Mitch, too, because Mitch wasn't playing anything. Yep. And that was really good to have. If I was by myself, it would have been a lot worse. I would have had to deal with it all by myself. But having just a roommate that also didn't play baseball and was always there, that was huge, too. So props to Mitch. Mitch, if you ever listen to this, I appreciate you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, dude. Real quick, before Cole goes, and I know I cut him off twice, so he's going to hit me. But um, <laughs> Damn, son. <laughs> I know. Well, real quick, because I just know Mitch. Is he alive? What is he doing? He's alive, man. He's alive, but I don't really know what he's doing. Like every time we try to get in, or every time I try to get into it, he just like he doesn't really respond to me. So okay, I, I like he'll respond to me. We'll have like a kind of like a normal conversation, whenever it may be. But whenever I actually want to ask him what he's doing, he just that's it. It kind of stops right there. This gotcha. is this is Mitch McConnell. If you listen to this, this is uh this is Emmett Kulik reaching out to you, asking you. Uh, yeah, man. What you doing, buddy? Hit me up. Move to Houston or something, man. <laughs> well, guy, I got a couple questions for you, just kind of just based on like everything you've said so far. Um, one, you met, you talked about like you grew up playing team sports and how like how isolated of a sport like golf is. Is it like is it when you especially because I've never played like competitively. I've always played like recreational. Like you're out drinking, like ha- yeah. like being social, like having fun, just like screwing around. Do you like? When you play competitively, is it lonely at all? Like because you're not with a team? No. When so the format pretty much was you had it was me and another guy on my team against you get paired up with another school and two guys on that team. Okay. So you're with another guy, but dude, it was so it was so hard because I was so non confident in my game because I wasn't very good at it. Yeah. Like I I just went to the qualifier just because like oh fuck it I'll just try it. And my score was 45, which is like a bogey. It was nine holes. It was a bogey every hole. And I'm like, there's no way that gets me in. And it got me in. I'm like, fuck, now what do I do? I got to go to this. And it was just so <laughs> nerve-wracking. It was so nerve-wracking because I wasn't confident in my ability at all. And the fucking course was so tight. There was so many out of bounds. I, I probably went out of bounds 20 times at least in 36 Jeez. holes. That's so funny. bad, man. So many slices. So terrible. But it was it was a good learning. I liked the competitive golf. I just wasn't good enough to be there at that time. But 
this summer I'm, I'm definitely going to get into a ton of tournaments because I'm now I'm confident in my ability. I could just say I really like is like a normal like golfer. Like they're so usually like high end rich kid. I got golf handed to me my whole life and be like, I'm going to fucking just whip your ass, man. <laughs> yeah, you're a, you're a former baseball player coming stopping on their turf. Um, but yeah, uh, I know. Is is Houston big for uh, like amateur golf? Then is there there are a bunch of tournaments you've been eyeing up? There's a bunch of tournaments just because it's so big as like a as a city. Like yeah. they have everything. Like pretty much anything you would ever want to do, you can do it. So it's really nice that I'm able to do that because there's just there's so many courses and it's just so big that I'm able to actually go out and do that this summer. But it's it's a little pricey. Each tournament is at least a hundred dollars to get into. But if you look at it that way, it's not really going to get you far. But you just got to look at it as like, okay, I'm paying that to like get exposure to somebody that actually means something. So, Cole, go ahead. I know you had a couple more for me. Yeah. So the only other question I had was like, I'm curious because because you and I are big Brooksy guys. We love Brooks Kevin. Mm-hmm. And with golf, love Brooksy. We love Brooksy. And and with golf getting started here like on Thursday, I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on like, because like he, he has a really interesting view of golf. Like when he's not playing like in a tournament, he just like, like he almost hates it. He like, he just try he does everything to try to get away from it. And you just said how like you love going to the range, you love hitting balls. Like you just love that. So what do you think of like Brooksy's approach compared to like where you're at right now? like trying to play like trying to play golf and, and make it a career so on like that part i don't know if i necessarily believe him in that part when he says he doesn't golf outside of tournaments because obviously you have to practice like he's not he's not that gifted where you can just not practice so but as a, as far as it goes where he says he doesn't really like he doesn't like almost like not even enjoy golf but i, I just like his uh view on the actual game of golf he he looks at it as like an athlete he golfs as an athlete he doesn't golf as a golfer he works out he considers himself he said he would have played baseball if he if he he said he wish he would have played baseball like hell yeah his athletic approach to the game is what i try to model myself after too like i'm not out there as a golfer i'm out there as a fucking athlete that's Mm. golf so that that's what i that's what drove me to uh to brooksy the most when he looked at it like that I love that. That's exactly that's exactly why why I liked him too, dude. He's he's like he literally like he's an I think too, Emmett. You probably would agree. That's kind of like the way golf is going almost. Like oh, you have yeah. to be like an athlete to be a golfer anymore. Mm-hmm. And Tiger, you know, all the Tiger started all that too. Right. Tiger was the only person that like he got huge. Like he was ripped, and he was the only one that was working out. And everybody's wondering why he's driving at sixty yards past him is because he knew like. That if I get my, I'm so good at golf, but I forget so strong where I could just crush the ball. And his short game was unbelievable too. Like that's why he was unbeatable. But like now everybody understands that to be a golfer, a professional golfer, you can't just get by anymore with that. You have to work out. You have to be strong. Like that's just how the game's evolved. And that's all thanks to Tiger. Tiger's a fucking beast. <laughs> I think I think that's so cool though, because like we'll we experience some of that in our lifetime, whether we knew it or not. Like in our lifetime, or at least mine, I'm a little older than you guys, not too much, but, um, like he was, he was one of those guys kind of like Steph Curry, where like, as he played the game and started winning, you knew it it was like game is changing. The whole game is. Oh yeah, for sure. Steph Curry changed the game in his own way too. So 
Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's do this. Let's roll over a little bit here just because I'm curious. So we talk about or have the defining decade a little bit. And essentially what that is, uh, is the the time uh, in your 20s where where it's very um, volatile and there's a lot of things that are happening, either good or positive or negative. But run us up to speed from graduation day till now. Just some of the things that have happened because you made a pretty big move, kind of like Cole. Mm. Yeah. So. I thought my big move was going to be going down to Florida because honestly, man, like that whole time period from that summer, like when I got to Florida, I'm like, if you would have told me that I'd be pursuing a golf management degree and working at a golf course in Florida, if you would have told me that at graduation, I'd be like, I wouldn't have believed you at all. But it was just like, it all <laughs> happened so fast for golf. And I don't regret any of my time that like I, it kind of sucks because I had to stop. I had to stop school like right at the semester because it was just too much money. But um, I don't regret any of my time going to Florida because I met amazing people that I'm probably going to be friends with the rest of my life there. Um, I got the golf all. I got the golf every day for free at like five different courses, six different courses. Um, I learned a lot about the business side of golf, which I didn't really know. So when I had that golf job in the summer, I went down to Florida. And then I came back for a golf job. And that's like right when Corona hit. So like that was all that huge mess of trying to like, I had a just job secured. I was actually going to stay in Houston right after Florida just because, really? yeah, it just made sense. Like I went to visit Leah. I'm like, should I just stay here? Like I have all my stuff already, but it was just <laughs> right during the Corona. So I couldn't find a job at all. So I'm like, I have this job up North already. I just have to go up there. It's already secured. But then, yeah. And then all of a sudden I get, I applied for one of the jobs I applied for when I was trying to live here. They call me, call me back two months later and I'm like, all right, I'll do the interview just because it's never bad to practice an interview regardless if you're going to take a job or not. So I did the interview and then two days later, they're like, yeah, you got the job. I'm like, it was like 10 minutes from where she was going to be moving um, in June because she was on the lease. I wasn't, I was going to be down there in August. So I'm like 10 minutes away from that. It's a full-time job. Like, I, I got to take that, too, now. So then I <laughs> fucking, four days later, go down to Houston, and I thought my mindset was like, dude, I, I haven't really, I've stayed in my comfort zone my entire life. So if anything, I'll just move across country, start a brand new job I have no experience in, put myself in the most uncomfortable situation as possible, and that's the only way I'm going to grow as a person. So fuck it. Let's fucking do this. Let's fucking do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, that is why we love Emmett and why we got to, to be such good friends with him. But I, uh, I didn't know like that was in the, the deeper part of you. I didn't really know that. I mean, I know that you guys were dating and, you know, wanted to maybe potentially live together just to check that out. But that's, that's cool that you saw that as an opportunity and like, it doesn't sound like you just aimlessly did it. Like it sounds like you kind of actually had a plan and things looked really nice. And then there you go, you know, right up. (laughs) No, dude, honestly, like she fucking owes me one big time. (laughs) (laughs) I hope she listens to this. Yeah. Like, cause I had like, honestly, it make, it makes sense. Like she's got her job right here. She can't really leave. She needs more experience. Um, she's getting paid really well, but if we wanted to make it work, at some point, I'd have to go to her. That just had right. to happen. So, like, I mean, I just told her, I'm like, hey, this is a, like, I'm starting a job I have no experience in. I'm going across country. I don't know anybody here just to live with you. So, fucking, in the future, if I ever get a chance to go somewhere, 
taking you with and you're fucking doing it. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Well, hey, just real quick, how is Houston, man? Like you went to college in Fayette, Iowa, population about fifteen hundred. Uh, a lot of the people there are, are from the area that go to college there as well, too, d- d- despite the athletes. But you go to Houston, there's a couple more things to do and a couple more people. Yeah, dude, it's it's good. It's um, this summer is going to be brutal, man. It's so hot in the summer. That's the only thing. It's so hot. But I was in Florida for I was in West Palm Beach, which is just north of Miami. West Palm Beach, it's got like 500,000 people in, in West Palm Beach. So. That was like a good little transition. It got me used to traffic. It got me used to being around people all the time and stuff like that. But, dude, it, it just, there's just so many people. There's too many people. <laughs> there's like 6 million people in a 45 mile radius. It just, there's so many people. Yeah, because like I'm a, I'm the small town Iowa kid on this podcast. Like obviously Cole's leveling up and Jerry's got Minneapolis. So like for me, that just sounds absolutely awful. So like I'm glad you're able to to roll in, but I guess you're from De Pere. So uh, maybe you got a little bit of room. But yeah, they try to just get all on top of each other for some reason. Yeah, exactly. Cole, I actually want to ask you too. Like what, like were you culture shocked at all when you went to San Diego? Uh, I mean, yeah, a little bit. Um, the, well, I. I went to San Diego for the winter meetings, but I'm now living in Sacramento. I don't know if you knew oh, that, Sacramento. or okay, I don't yeah. know if you, I, yeah, I didn't know if you know the whole dynamic there, but, um, San Diego specifically, that was a culture shock just because there was a lot of stuff on top of everything. And so when I was there for the winter meetings, those couple of days, that was a culture shock one, because I had no idea where I was, where anything was like how to survive. I had to raw, like I stayed with Brett Fanning, who's one of our teammates in college. And like, I had to rely on him, his girlfriend, and then, uh, one other friend of mine that I got to know while I was there basically like on the area and how to survive these, like those five days I was there as far as Sacramento goes. Um, it wasn't too bad just because Sacramento is very, very spread out in terms of the layout of the city, like where people are. I mean, being from Des Moines, Iowa, it's double the people. But you wouldn't know, like, if you drove downtown, you wouldn't realize that there's as many people as there are in Sacramento because the, like, downtown and and city and, like, the surrounding suburbs as a whole are pretty spread out. So for me, it wasn't too bad. It was literally, it was more or less just, like, adjusting to West Coast people. And Nick Nick and Jeremy and I have talked about that before on this podcast. But also... One One of our trial episodes, actually. So we have, we haven't released that, actually. Yeah. But also just adjusting to or like understanding my surroundings, which I'm sure you had trouble with to begin with as well. Yeah. When you move to a place that big, it's just like you just got to. It I takes mean, time drive around all day, so I get a little bit of feel for it. But still, it's still it massive. just yeah, it, it takes time to, to like understand your surroundings. That's all it is. For sure, man. But Nick, what else you got for us, man? I know uh, I know you got a little list of things there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, dude, I just I've enjoyed the conversation thus far. And it's fun to get to know you now. Like that's one of our big point of emphasis is like when we brought Dom on and some some of Jeremy's friends and like we want to know you now. We we know we had fun in college. We may go have to share a couple of stories here, but like we knew you then, but it's so fun to catch up with you when you're when you're growing up and maturing and, and hitting a stride, you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely, man. And the thing is like at some point you just gotta fucking grow up a little bit. Like, I'm obviously I like to like if I if 
on a weekend, and if I don't have anything to do the next day, I'll get hammered. Like, just. <laughs> but like, but like, there's things like now, like moving into my own place with Leah, and have bills to pay, and like something I'm just not used to at all. Like you, you can't, you don't really have time to just, you don't really have time to just grow up casually. You have to just do it right now, and that's what I needed, honestly, man. I really did need it, so that's why I don't regret doing this. Um, I think it's gonna help me grow as a person a lot. That's that's like the biggest thing, the reason why I came down here, honestly. You didn't think uh, trashing 308 uh, 308 East State or not 308? That's our old house, 310 Volga, and uh, having me bill you for all the all the damages so I could fix the house that didn't prepare you at all. Yeah, I know. A fucking bear dug a bunch. I dug a bunch of holes <laughs> in the backyard. <laughs> Forgot about that. Poor guy. He's just trying to survive, but. Uh, I had no, a really, oh, I had a, I had a really unpleasant conversation with our landlord about that. Not gonna lie. I know, dude. I had to talk to him <laughs> after, right after that. What did you guys say? He, oh, he was pissed. pissed. Yeah, he was pissed. He was. Well, he didn't know I had a dog there the whole year. At How all. did he not know? Because oh. our property manager literally loved the dog. Yeah, I don't know, because he's an idiot, probably. Sorry, so, Frank. You know, <laughs> just don't say his last name, dude. Don't did our did our property manager like not tell Frank at all about uh, about Bear? What did you say? Did our did our property manager not tell Frank at all about Bear? No, I mean probably for his knowledge, he probably didn't realize that I wasn't supposed to have him there. Is what I, my my guess is. And oh, Scott also Scott also seems like a pretty laid back guy. He just yeah. kind of does what Scott does. So I, I I remember the first day Scott came over and it was just me and Bear chilling, and uh, Scott opened the door and and Bear literally like almost tackled him. I'm like, oh shit, we're we're about to get uh, evicted. But uh, Scott uh, Scott didn't tell, and we we got the house for the whole year. Yeah, no, that's crazy. I don't know. Apparently, like he would have he said he would have been understanding about it, but. Obviously, I didn't know that because he looked like he had a strict no pet policy, and is what you guys have told me too. So, <laughs> well, hey, um, before we get into our fun college memory here, real quick, do you guys have anything that stands out to you when you guys were living together? Um, I mean, honestly, man, like I've heard stories about people like talk about the roommates and shit. I think we had a really good balance. Like we obviously agreed as a as a house that we didn't want to have parties every fucking weekend or like every friday saturday whatever it may be so we we agreed on that and like because it's just a shitty time we couldn't make the freshman clean up the house anymore because we got in trouble for that <laughs> that was mostly that was mostly it otherwise we probably would have had more but i don't know i think it went pretty smoothly like nothing really like obviously when i bring a dog that's not yours and it like rips up the garbage or whatever it may be i mean obviously it's not good for anybody and it's like you don't want that to happen, but I don't know. I thought having a dog in the house was pretty good, man. I, I really did. Like a house isn't a house without a dog in it. I think it was always a fun, fun surprise to come home from class or like come home from practice and just see like the garbage spilled out all over the floor, <laughs> and half of it was chewed up by Bear, and he was just like chilling on the couch. He knew he'd done bad thing. Yeah. That was always kind of funny. Yeah, not it was like. Oh, not, sorry, you can go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not gonna lie, I thought Bear was just gonna demonize the house the whole year. And I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised when he, you know, didn't actually tear up the garbage as much as I thought. He, it wasn't like a like a very common occurrence or anything. It was yeah. more like a once in a while when our, our trash is really overflowing, he'd uh yeah, he'd go look for a I snack. Was gonna, I was just about <laughs> to say, because that was mostly on me, Greg Kane and, and Mitch, because we like 
it was like pouring out. He had so much access to it. I'm like, I don't even blame you, guy. I, I do got to say, though, on a little more serious note, like, to be completely honest, I was a little worried going in um, simply because of the fact that, like, we had been on the same baseball team for, a, for like, a year up and like up to that point. Obviously, like, Nick, Jeremy, and Jamie and I had lived in, in 308 the year before. And so I was like, I've been on this baseball team with, like, with Kane and, and Emmett specifically, and now I'm going to live with them, but I don't even really know them. But, like, I feel like, and I don't know if you felt the same way about me and Jeremy, because... I don't know. There just wasn't like a whole lot of interaction that first, first year. Like you were around obviously being on the same team and everything, but we weren't living together. Like Nick and Jamie were living with me and Jeremy. Like it just was like the, that closeness wasn't there, but it almost worked to our advantage because like you, great Kane, Mitch, me, Jeremy, like we all kind of through the, through the course of the year, we just blended together kind of so beautifully. I thought. Yeah, man. Like, cause obviously, yeah, we weren't like super close or anything, but at the same time, like, who else were we going to room with? <laughs> like, there's nobody else that I'd rather have besides you guys that were in our grade or could live, could live with us. So, like, it just right. worked out. And I thought the house was, like, that house is pretty sick in general. Like, the location of it, like, just a nice, just a nice house, honestly. Before you guys, uh, well, Emmett, you knew this because you were uh, in, in school for four years, but that house prior to you owning it was also a badass spot. Like that was like the last six years with you guys, like that spot has been one of the hot places in Fayette. So like when you guys told me you were living there, I was like, dude, you guys picked a good freaking house. Yeah. Except for yeah. the no AC in the beginning. Remember that? <laughs> that was awful. Oh, that was so bad. I uh, I remember the the first day I, I moved into that house, and uh, I was like, I got to get this AC working. And I thought I got it working, and it turns out I, I had the heat going all night on a, like a 95-degree <laughs> day. So <laughs> it got very warm in there. Yeah, well, when hey, we first moved in, I oh, lost like 10 pounds. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, we would sit there all day long and just sweat. It didn't matter. Oh, like We, we, we would tried like fans. We would hold fans. We would open up all the doors and windows to try to get some airflow. Like, and we would just sit there and sweat yeah. all day long. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you're listening into this and you have any crazy college stories, please send them in to us because we'd love to, to talk about it here on the cast. Uh, we don't want to get too wild, but I think that people who you surround yourself with in school, like obviously we were on a team, so that was one thing for baseball, but like we had a, a couple of like the dudes I lived with in your guys' house, like in college, you have to get good people to live with. Otherwise, I think the experiences can be rough. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I totally agree with that. And it just kind of sucked because obviously you guys came as a JUCO guy, so you can get, get off campus right away. I had to wait till my senior year just kind of sucked because no one wants to live in the dorms for three years but honestly one of the best times i've had in college was when i was living in garby and it was just me and mitch like that was awesome man like i wouldn't say like i got the best grades i've ever got in college um i ended up having a pretty good junior year i barely ever went to practice but i still had a good year somehow i don't know how but <laughs> yeah but like yeah i get what you're saying like if you if you're living with shitty roommates that just kind of ruins because then like you pretty much don't spend time at home. Like someone's not spending time at home then because you don't want to be around them. So you're probably going to spend time at some other place. And just like, it's good to be able to just go home and chill and not have to worry about some shitty person being there. <laughs> yeah. Cause that is awkward. And 
Um, for Upper Iowa, there was a lot of people that said Garby Hall their freshman year. Like when I was a freshman, I would hear upperclassmen say like Garby Hall as a freshman was like the place to be. Like they did slip and slides and shit and like just got crazy fucked up all the time. Like it was just a lot. And like people don't like it gives me like the I'm a germaphobe. So like you all <laughs> use the same bathrooms. I hate that so much. <laughs> I remember there was a there was a serial pooper that went around too. He kept doing poops <laughs> in the <laughs> Like and there's just all their people in there and you have to like like if you're having a rough morning or you're a little late and you walk in the bathroom to brush your teeth and there's just a pile of shit <laughs> in the stall. It's like, I don't wanna see that. It was in the shower, man. Oh, I didn't know that's even worse. You yeah, walk just kept in. Doing it. It'd oh. be on every level too. <laughs> We're at every level. <laughs> what? Organized <laughs> crime at its finest, dude. That's organized know, crime. Got, I don't think you ever got caught, too. He wrote that's, the, that's the deepest uh, deepest level of crime you'll get at Upper Iowa is a serial pooper going through Garby Hall. I know. It'll be funny because Leah, because I remember Leah lived in Garby when I was in, when I was in um, SV, which is like the suites at Upper Iowa. And she said that literally the girls' bathroom smelled so bad. Just oh. like, just... I'm like, oh, that's girls just going in there taking massive dumps. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, girls do poop, and it's not <laughs> something that we love to hear and know. But, uh, yeah, so, well, no, that's good, man. One of the things I, I wanted to bring up here, I will never forget this moment, and I apologize to, to the podcast guys here because they were not on this trip, but when we went on that flag football trip, dude, and it was just like some of our baseball guys. And for some reason, we took flag football very seriously as baseball players, which is kind of odd. But we got the chance to uh, to go to Lincoln, Nebraska uh, for a, a college intramural tournament. And it was just us guys. And uh, the the guy driving the bus was like old enough to, to drive it and had the permission to. But he was still <laughs> dope enough to like let us drink on the bus. And we just got literally we got like four or I don't know if it was four locos, but we just got totally trashed on the way to Lincoln. Like, just casually just got trashed on a school bus. My favorite part about that, too, is, like, we were watching a movie first. And then we just started, we stopped at a gas station. We bought a bunch of booze. We're like, I ah, might as well do it. And then we all started <laughs> drinking. And then I remember at one point, Colt Jansen was right behind me. He was another baseball guy. And he was like, he's like, I don't even know what the fuck this movie is, but why the fuck are we watching this movie right now? And then we just started getting hammered after that. <laughs> That was the best yeah. part when he's like, no one's watching this anymore. We're all just getting hammered. Might as well just turn it off. And do I blacked out on that trip? Oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> on the bus, though. on the bus, dude. Black. We were taking polls of Jack Daniels. It was oh. crazy, man. Blasting yeah, music somehow, and Yeah, we somehow tried to turn it around and play the next day, but that was always the best trip of the year. But. Um, yeah, so like I said, if you guys have any crazy stories, please send them in because we love uh, we love hearing that stuff. But. Um, so, Guy, now, though, uh, to kind of roll into a little bit more of a serious note, like what we've had a couple of conversations here of late where you're you're really getting pretty serious about golf. And, and you know, we've talked a little bit uh, on some of your long term goals and aspirations, but um, you feel like goals or, or goal setting has come into play here now and, and just kind of blow it open a little bit on that and like what that means to you and how you put it into golf. Yeah, and I think my new job with sales, too, is obviously helping with that because in sales, you have to make goals or else you just kind of fall through. And obviously, Cole and you would know about that. Um, you got to set goals every week. But yeah, before that, man, I I never set goals ever. Like, 
I wanted to do shit, but it's not like I set a goal and I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to make this happen. But, but yeah, it just gives me more structure in my life. That's, that's the biggest thing. And it allows me to like focus day to day on what I need to do to get better at something. Um, for golf, obviously I want to eventually be able to play golf for some, some sort of money. Um, but that's going to take a lot of time. And I know that, but I, like I said, I enjoy the process of practicing. And if I set goals where Say I set a goal where I'm gonna I'm gonna do three tournaments this summer, and I just want to place better at every single tournament. That's basically my golf goal this summer. Not necessarily three, but however many be. I wanna I wanna place better at every single one, just to know that I'm getting better at competitive golf. And as far as sales goes, that that's that's easy. That just solves itself. Like I have a certain amount of sales goals that I want to meet every week. Um, and that goes like with making money too. Like for sales, you put what you get into it. So there's no cap on what you can make. I got a base salary, but like if you don't put in the work, you're not going to get anywhere with it. You're not going to make the money that you want to make because I've never made real money in my life. But this sales job is giving me an opportunity to do that. I just got to set goals and, and hit those goals. So, yeah, man, goals have been they've been really influential this past, like even couple months of my life of just getting more structure and getting staying more consistent every day. Yeah, because that was literally, oh, here, I'm just going to say this, Jerry, and then you can go. Uh, that That's literally something like over the course of since graduation for me, like all of a sudden it just clicked on in my brain. I don't know what happened, but it's like it just made sense. Like, OK, if I'm at the point in time where I'm at the reality of working, like how do we make living life the most badass shit on, on planet Earth? Like if I have to work for the remainder of my days, I might as well get freaking really good at something. You know, because yeah. we come from a competitive background, but it's like that just that, that light bulb kicked on. And then, uh, you know, there's been some good reading uh, in between. And, you know, that's where the, the origin of the podcast came to. But, uh, Jerry, I'll kick it over to you. I think you had something. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, last me and Cole saw you, you were you're going for exercise science, then golf. And then so what what drew you to sales? Honestly, nothing really drew me. I knew I knew I wanted to. This is this is basically how I thought of it. I've been working so many jobs where I go every day. I work my job from whatever it may be, eight hours. No matter how much work I do, whether it be very little or a ton, I'm like busy all all day. I'm getting paid that same hourly rate. And I'm just like, I was just sick of that, man. Like, I'm like, I could either, like, no one could be at the golf course and I would get paid the same as like, I'm busting my ass all day. So with sales, like, I'm like, if I'm going to bust my ass, I better be doing it to get more money. Like, that's that's my mindset from it. Um, but like I, nothing really drew like that. Like I always knew I wanted to try a sales job. But I never got an opportunity. So when I had this opportunity, I'm like, okay, this I might as well try it. Um, it's exactly if I, I I can make a lot of money if I put the work in. But yeah, I just I just wanted to get away from those hourly jobs, man. It was just killing me mentally. I have to say, Emmett, that is like I think that is so admirable because so many other people would take advantage of that situation of like just showing up and knowing, okay, if I just show up, I'm going to make $15 an hour. I'm going to work these eight, eight hours. And like, I'm going to make my what 120 bucks in a day, like whatever. Like the fact that you want to see results from the work you do and you want to see success and obviously like financial gain from hitting goals and succeeding and making sales. I think that, dude, that is so admirable, and I think that is something that is going to serve you very, very well as you come into, like, your career, because it's going to keep you driven, and I think that's one thing that is especially important 
for people in our generation because a lot of us get grouped together as like we need instant gratification you know we're millennials and like we have to have everything now i think seeing reaping reaping the rewards you sow and getting having success because you are putting in the work is going to serve you very very well so i want to i want to commend you for that because i don't know if you've always had that like i don't know like your backstory but i think like you have figured that out and whenever you figured that out only you know but i think that's super super cool and i admire that a lot yeah and then people have their own motivations and, and whatnot and some people think that i mean a lot of people have money motivations and I don't like when people frown upon, oh, you shouldn't be just doing something because it can make you a lot of money. Oh, well, why the fuck not? Exactly. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's like money, everybody needs money. Like you just need money. And if you have more money, you're able to do more stuff you like. You're able to have more financial freedom. You have disposable income. Just do stuff that you want to do. But eventually, like, yeah, you can follow your passion. I, I understand that. And I'm the same way with golf. Like I know golf's not going to make me a lot of money. It might not ever. That's something I'm working towards. But my goals for sales is mostly driven by the fact that I'm going to be able to make a lot of money and do shit that I want to do with that money. So I don't I, I don't like when people like I don't know if you know anybody that's ever done that, but like frown upon people that are just money driven, like money is the ultimate motivator, I think. So that's that's basically what I mean, it's not all I want because I want to get better at I want to develop myself, get better at my skill, get better at my craft and whatnot. But money is a huge motivator. And like, I can't, I got to be honest with that. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I, uh, I took a, 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 psych, a psychology class my freshman year of college. And the only thing that really ever stuck with me from the psychology class was most people aren't happy until they have about $80,000 of disposable income. So, I mean, what are you doing to to like get to that mark? And once you're at that mark, are are you doing something to maintain that eighty thousand dollars of disposable income? And I think uh, a lot of people don't like don't realize like money does buy happiness up to like that eighty thousand dollar threshold. People get happier as they have more money because like you touched on it, you get to do more things, you have more disposable income, and it's just much more comfortable to to live with eighty thousand dollars in your bank account, especially time like now where like we have 13% unemployment. A lot of people are relying on that unemployment. And very soon, a lot of people are going to lose that $600 a week or extra $600 a week. So what are you doing to um, pad your disposable income for like times of crisis or, you know, times where you can go out and spend it and have fun? No doubt, dude. They uh, This should be a lesson we all learn economically, especially young in our careers, is how to handle this situation. Uh, Emmett, so what I'm about to say next is not going to make any sense to you, but as soon as I say it, we're just going to flip back to the conversation, okay? So ladies, what I want you to do, we've been heating up this conversation. Go ahead and pour that second glass of wine because we know that we've been having a lot of fun. I hope you have as well too. Um, but anyway, as we were saying, yeah, I think it's important. Like you have to view it as important. Otherwise, like, like, don't give me the excuse that you're upset because you're not making money. Like money runs the world. It's currency. It's not good or, or bad. It's what people do that is good or bad. You know, so I, I respect that. I think especially young, you need to have that mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it allows you to, like I said before, like if you have passions that you want to pursue later, but you don't have money to do it. And we'll go get that money somehow where you're able to do it. Like, obviously, like I would, I want to get to a point where I can, 
I can practice my golf and, and pay f- and be able to pay for it enough where I can get to the level I want to be. But I, I, I've accepted the fact right now that I'm not going to be able to do it financially. I just can't do it right now. And I need to be able to live. I need to be able to have somewhere to stay and be able to eat. So right now, money is, is easily the, the biggest motivator for me, just because I know that's going to get me to the future goals and be able to pursue my passions later. You know, one thing I, th- I think is important, too, is, you know, on, on this podcast, we talk a lot about like the defining decade and how important like the 20s are and and what what the 20s really mean. And obviously, the four of us are there were four 20 year old guys just kind of like trying to figure out what our path in life is. Right. One thing I think that that Emmett, you're you're doing really well right now is like using your 20s to experiment with these different things like working on your golf game, seeing like what your potential is and, and what you could be in that and seeing if it is going to be possible to like make you money in any capacity, whether it's just winning amateur tournaments or like obviously the ultimate goal of making it on the PGA tour. Right. And, and like getting sponsors and, and making a lot of money that way. But one other thing too, I think that is important to remember is a lot of 20 year olds and, and, and 20 to 30 year olds, I guess would be a better term is like, all we really want is independence. You know, we've spent 20 to 30 years of our life living under our parents and having our parents have to pay our bills or, or, you know, that's where we get our, our, our food. That's where we get, you know, our house and our, our living space. And we're so used to living under our parents and in our twenties and in our third our early thirties, that's when we finally start to want to spread your wings and want to become your own person and start your own life. And obviously, you know, you and Leah, like you guys are, are wanting to, to move in together and you have moved in together. So I think that's one thing, you know, when you talk about money and, and trying to make as much money as possible, that's what you're really chasing is being able to be independent and, and live the life you want to live. Absolutely, man. It's, and it's, it always comes full circle. There's not I mean, it's not a coincidence that every professional athlete, like right when they get drafted or when they make a lot of money, they buy their parents a house or they buy their car. Like you, you don't want to take advantage of your parents. Like you want to be able to pay them back. And it goes just like what you've been saying, like be independent enough to be able to, Hey, thank you for everything that you've done and supporting me for that many, that much amount of time. Like that's like the ultimate goal, honestly, is to, to reward your parents to, for raising you the way they did and being able to support you that long time. Well, cause we don't, you, you don't ever realize until you actually get in the moment that how much they, they did for you, you know, like it didn't, it didn't hit me until I moved back into college to understand like how my dad was supporting me and my two sisters, like how he was doing that and like living independently in his household. Like I'm still not paying rent, obviously. And I'm still kind of bumming a couple really good meals here and there, of course, <laughs> you know, some of the added you know, advantages of living at home, but um, I just, when I saw that, it made me like really appreciate what the hell they did for us, you know? For sure, man. Absolutely. And got to thank your parents, man. I mean, obviously there's parents that there's people that are our age that didn't have that, that didn't have the parents supply anything. And they had to work since they were like 14, 15 years old and do it all them on their own. And I mean, obviously I respect the hell of those people that you're able, able to do that, but, um, I think moving away was really good for me just because I got to a limit where I'm like, I just feel bad. Like my parents have gave me everything. And like, every time, like every time they give me money or anything, it was like that. I'm like, I gotta go do something to show that 
to show it's worth that. I got to go on my own. I just have to do it. So yeah, I just, I just went out here and do it. And I'm forced to be able to work hard. I'm like forced to work hard and make money because if I can't, then I'm fucked. Like I, I, I don't want to be homeless. Like I got to do something. Like so, like I, 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 like I said before, I get, I get grow up really fast, and I needed it, so it's good. So I'm gonna ask you this question. You may not know the answer to it, but I think it's fun to talk about. What do you think the next, we'll say, two to four years look like for you? That's a good question. Um, so basically, me and Leah's goal is that we want to move to Austin. We went to, uh, we went vacation for like four nights in Austin. We fell in love with the city. We just loved it. We both. Like, after that, we both agreed, like, we would like to, like, if we were going to get a house and settle down, it would probably be in Austin. So, within four years, I do want to end up moving to Austin at some point. She just said right away, look, I got to stay. I got to stay in Houston. I got to build some sort of, like, resume and career. Like, I got to start somewhere. I'm like, that's totally fine. It's the same way with me. Like, I'm just starting to get into sales. I, hopefully, I can make it a career because it, it's something I would want to do. Maybe not exactly the job I'm doing right now, obviously. but eventually get on to a higher sales job but we're both just starting right here um and in the next two to four years honestly man it's so hard to judge with golf because um, <laughs> like i don't know how much time i'm gonna be able to put into it if, if i got a, if i got to practice all day every day i would i would give it two years before okay. i could actually like get on some sort of tour if i could do that all day every day which i can't but as far as it goes I'm just going to keep going to as many amateur tournaments as possible, like me and Cole and you talked about, um, and just try to just consistently improve my game and not not let it fall behind where I'm like, because it is my passion. I don't, I don't want to just let it kind of go in like the aftermath. I want to keep consistent. Um, I'm going to try to like build up enough money where I can get a membership where I don't have to constantly pay for balls and uh, balls and rounds of golf every time I go. And that's the first, that's like the stepping stone but eventually i yeah, just try to keep getting better at golf and eventually um we're gonna try to move to austin and, and try to actually settle down there that's what we're thinking so that's probably the two to four year i, I would say man as of now yeah well i know that that question is challenging i mean it's not yeah. like every day you're like hey man how's it going anyway that two to four year plan you've been keeping <laughs> you've been keeping up on that you know so uh yeah no i just was kind of curious to pick your brain um but i'll flip it over to jer here so for the listeners that don't know, Emmett has actually produced his own, uh, written and produced his own music, uh, song called Peer Pressure. Is there any plans within the next two to four years to maybe follow it up and, uh, and continue on the path of music as well? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And that, that is like, everybody wants to eventually get to a point where they can have passive income. That's my passive income. Like, that's what I would love to do with my passive income is have I don't, I'm not saying I want to be the next Post Malone or be like a superstar, but <laughs> if I could build a, if I could build a, a reasonable, like solid fan base and have people excited about the music I'm about to put out and be able to like actually create music that I love and, and that sounds, and that has like, it sounds good for people. That's like the ultimate goal, man. If I can make some money on the side doing that, absolutely. But as far as it goes for what I've been doing for music is basically I probably listen to beats every night. I listen to different type of beats. Um, I change it up. I try. I don't try to listen to the same type of music. I, I listen to. I'll listen to country beats. I'll listen to alternative beats, hip hop, pop. Like I'll, I'll try to just expand my horizon in that sense the, the most. But as far as I can do right now, because I don't have the financial ability to go out and because it's very expensive to make a song, um, I just try to. If I can, I'll write songs. Yeah. So every night, 
um, at least every night I'll write, I'll write, or the, the most thing I can do right now is just write a song to a beat, just because when the time comes and I actually have the financial ability to do it, I'll have a song ready. And the, the, the goal is to like get somebody that to really like and be like, holy shit, man, this is awesome. And they'll show it to somebody more important. And then eventually get up to somebody that actually can do something really productive for it. So that's, that's basically where my music is at. Um, it sucks because I made the one song and then I haven't gotten to do anything besides that. So people are like, oh, did he just try out making music? No, I still want to do music. If anybody's listening to this, I'm going to do music. <laughs> I just have to get more fucking money to do music. Start a GoFundMe for Emmett. Yeah, they make it that. <laughs> one thing I, I think it's important to, to understand, and obviously like you're getting into sales, so you're probably starting to realize this too, is like sales and music, they're both, I would say they're numbers games, right? In sales, you know, you never know when like that next sale is actually going to come, but the more and more you try, the closer and closer you get to like that next sale, right? You make one and you may have to try 50 more times, or you may only have to try three more times, right? It's kind of the same way in music for you, you know, like you could come out with, you could come out with 50 songs and like, maybe it's that 51st song that like people that really catches on that people really like, or that like the right person listens to right or maybe it's the very next one and like that's your it's only your second attempt and the right person listens to it and loves it but dude it's all a numbers game and and i mean as long as, and it sounds like you have a really good grasp of that and as long as you continue that and you continue to hammer away and and keep knocking on doors in a sales job and and continue to listen to beats and put out music especially once you do become financially independent like you have money to put into that and like invest in yourself more on the music side dude i think that's super important absolutely man and and the thing about music as well is that you got to think about it like you think about people that blew up right away they had one song where it's like it just caught on maybe it's social media took it and then it's blew up you don't really hear from those people after that they have that one song it's the people that have been consistent they have so many songs, man. It's like crazy how many songs they have. And like, obviously the people that are at the top, top, like they, like they have song, pretty much every album they come out with two or three songs on that. It's going to be really good. And a lot of people are going to like it, but yeah, just like you said, it's a numbers game, man. Like the more songs you put out, it's not going to hurt you. Like, okay, okay. They didn't like, I put out 50 songs and 45 of them they didn't like, but five of them people really did like, and they stream them a ton. Okay, well, that's going to get more people, and maybe those people will listen to other songs. Maybe they'll like some of the other 45 songs that the other people didn't like. It just kind of, it's like, like you said, it's just a numbers game. Yeah, that's cool. So what's the, what's the guilty pleasure there? Like, what, what prompted you to do that? Because, like, we can talk a little bit about why the hell we even, like, went ahead and did a podcast. But, like, for you, I know golf was, like, one thing. But, like, when I heard that you actually, like, actually had a rap song or, or uh, that genre, I was like, Wait, what? Like, you know, like I just didn't know where that came from. So basically, man, I've always like knew that I'm not the greatest singer, but I can sing in tone always. I'm never out of tone. That's what I I do know that. But you know what drove me to do it is because I fucking hated all my music and I hated no one was coming out with any good shit. So I'm like, that's awesome. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to come out with something that I want to listen to, to be honest, because like, I I, everybody else's music was like, some people liked it or whatever, but like I wasn't liking anything. So I'm like, I'm just going to do it myself, honestly, man. 
You're a young entrepreneur and you didn't even know it. <laughs> oh. But yeah, that's that's pretty much gave me the motivation to start a song was like one, I want to see if I can do it. And two, yeah, I just wasn't there was no good music coming out, so I'm like, oh fucking, I'll do it. <laughs> so uh so for all the the young uh music entrepreneurs, uh what is needed to produce, write, and edit your own song? So honestly, man, I got I got kind of got lucky that peer pressure came out as as like good as it did. Obviously, it's not a, the most professional sounding song, but all I did is I went in there. I found a I found a recording studio. Luckily, in South Florida, there's a ton of recording studios. Um, but I went into a recording studio. I found that I, I liked it had the right vibe, and I played the beat for them. And the beat the beat was good. I like it. The beat's like the one, one of the best parts of the song. Like I knew the beat was good. And then I went into the, I just recorded it and he chopped it up. They didn't mix it at all. It's like unmixed, which is basically the same. Like they're refining the sounds and refining the vocals and the beat and everything and making it sound professional. It's not mixed at all. So basically I, I just got lucky that it ended up turning out as good as it did to like at least show that I can make a decent song to start. But basically what it is, is if you're starting out music and you don't really know what to do, just try it out. Just try writing a song and trying finding a, you're gonna have to have a couple hundred bucks to spend but go to a recording studio and just sing it and have them listen to it and that's basically how you start that's how i started i don't know how to actually i've tried downloading it and making my own beats I, I i can't do that i don't really have a desire to learn that right now but as far as like lyrics go just write a song and sing it over a beat or sing it over something like it's there's no hurt in trying it you know if you really want to do it yeah, that's what we're, well, I appreciate you doing that and sharing that for those folks that that have a genuine interest. And, and that's one thing, like, obviously on this show, why we started the podcast is like, why not take those chances young in your career? Like, we know and, and we hope that like at a bare minimum, we're just trying to inspire like a person a day that we do this podcast. Like, we know what, that everyone's doing a podcast right now. We're very aware that like, it's a hot thing in our generation. Like, are we people of fame that would be able to get away with it? Not really, you know, but we're out here trying because why not? You know, if we, like I said, if we inspire one person, like that's where we need to be. But like, I do think taking those chances early on is so fun. Cause like, who knows what, what happens 10 years from now when peer pressure takes off? Yeah. You just never know, man. And you guys, and, you, and it's cause you like doing it too, obviously. Like, it's just like fun thing to do. And that's what, that's what success happens is when you do it, not because like, Oh, like you have these big aspirations. It just starts out as something that you like to do. That's what that's all that all it is. And if you like to do it enough, you never know what can happen. That's usually how it starts. And you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And then you never know. Someone can notice it and be like, hey, these guys are awesome. Um, let's take this, let's take this a step further. Let me produce this for you, or whatever it is for both of us. Yeah, because like somebody listening in, their grandpa's grandpa, their grandpa's cousin all of a sudden has attachments to somebody that knows a really good podcast. They hear us boom, just like that, you know? And like, we've been fortunate. I mean, I know Don isn't like Don, Don's a little bit of a presence with Tritown blankets. So that was a pretty good leveling up. And I feel like we've had some pretty credible folks on and it was really fun to have your, uh, you, you come on and, and shoot the shit with us a little bit too. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. I would love to be all sitting in our, uh, our lawn chairs, uh, on a beach, just talking about how our podcast and our rapping careers, that's how we ended up from upper Island. I know, dude. I know. You never know either. You just never know, man. That's so true. Well, Hey, 
I know you said this uh, off air, but do you have any questions for us? I know you might have asked Cole one, but I didn't know if there's any questions that you had. Honestly, like I, I do have one question for you guys, and it's like, I know you guys are doing this just right now. You like you, like everybody's doing podcasts or whatever. That doesn't mean anything. But is there anything that you guys are doing to actually like take it a step further and like say? I know you guys got the good setup right now with your headphones and, and your mics and stuff like that, but is there anything you're actually proactively doing to, to try to like boost your, like your, like your audience and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I can, I can take the lead on this question, but um, we, I've been setting up social media, you know, we're, we're doing, doing the bare, the basics through social media. We're trying to, trying to boost our audience through social media first, you know, get that good consistent crowd come in. And then once we get a good, foundational base i would like to start either advertising or see if someone would you know host the podcast for us so where we can literally just talk to you guys and they can they can produce it at a a professional quality because i i for i would say i'm not a professional um producer for podcasting i I do my best i that does sound good though man yeah thank you thank you i i watch all the youtube tutorials I, i try to figure out you know what do what do these podcasts do to make them sound better? And you know, maybe in the future, instead of me, Cole, and Nick all uh, podcasting from three different areas of uh, the United States, we can you know come together at a, a central location in a in a real you know setup and um, actually run a real show from there. And I think becoming part of a company would be really good for us because it would just allow us to you know be ourselves on the podcast and you know, run with it basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before, uh, before Cole has uh, a nice little wrap up here for us, I'm going to throw in some stuff too. So a lot of what we talk about is books that we've read, right? So what we're doing is literally using this as like a way to hold ourselves accountable to some of the things that we preach. So like, what does that mean? So like one of the things is small improvements and consistency over time equals large success. So like when we wrote up the idea of doing this, we're like, we're looking at two to five years minimum, like if anything shoots off mm-hmm. at all. So like we asked ourselves that as a real question, like, do we actually want to stay committed for that a long a time? And like, we tried to answer that to the best of our ability. And, and the answer to that was yes. So it's like, we're using it for that sense. But also, I mean, like you said, we just freaking love talking to everybody, you know, like even Joe Rogan has the number one podcast. And, you know, if Joe, if you ever want to come on the show, don't worry about it. I'd love <laughs> to have you. But, um, Like he's even said, like, I have never intended on monetizing this. Like I was doing this literally to catch up with good people that I know and love. And then also some guest speakers occasionally. And it's just like that, that, that's the whole reason he's doing it. So that's like the second half of it too. Yeah. I don't know. Um, on the, the listener's end, because I have, uh, I have the account that puts out all the podcasts, but I don't monetize this podcast at all. Cause I, I want it to be something where people can, um, tune in and just listen to us talk and and maybe learn a thing or two where they don't have to be badgered by two or three ads where it's like we're talking and then it's like a cut to a default ad by tampex for 2.99 and then it cuts back to us talking about um something really deep like that would, I think that'd be really counter. <laughs> I don't know if tampex is the best. <laughs> <laughs> Why tampex guy? That came out of nowhere. Of- <laughs> I don't know. It just would be counter, counter <laughs> counterintuitive to have like some random ad pop into like the middle of what we're talking about, especially if it's we're trying to teach someone or you know try to give someone a, a better um, better idea of what we're doing as a podcast. 
I think the one thing that I want to add to this is, you know, we, at least when, when, when I, when, when Nick and I really talked about it, um, the one thing that, that I really wanted was I wanted to change one person's life. And it didn't even, it didn't even have to be one, one a day, just one person's life. And, you know, I think we are doing that hopefully. Um, but I think, you know, as far as like the podcast, it goes itself and like trying to make it grow, you know, for me, it's hitting numbers. So, you know, the last interview we did was our 10th episode. For me, that was a huge milestone because we got into double digits. And the next big milestone is like 25 episodes because you're halfway to 50. And then that 50, you're halfway to 100. And then that 100th episode is is kind of a big deal, right? Um, so I think, you know, for me and on that, and, you know, and Jeremy kind of said it without saying it even, is we want to be a light in the darkness and we want to be a mental break for people for about an hour, an hour's time, really. You know, you can mow the grass, you can take a drive, you can do whatever and and listen to us and, and just like have a mental break from, especially right now with like coronavirus and, and the George Floyd situation, just like all the shit the world has to offer. We just want to be a mental break from that, especially for people who are 20 for 20 years old to 30 years old, you know, where life is hard enough as it is. Absolutely, man. And I think a really good thing for you guys to do, obviously, you want to talk to people that you want to talk to or else like you wouldn't have them on the show. But to get like guests that have such unique backgrounds of different things, I feel like that would be really good for you guys just because. One, you'll learn things that you even didn't think about from from their perspective, and and two, it, it keeps like like we never know who's listening and be like, oh, I didn't know that person was interested in that or something like that. Like just to get like guests with all different kinds of unique backgrounds. Not they don't have to be a certain age, you don't have to be do a certain thing, but just so many different different unique backgrounds. I think would be would be good for guests to have on your show. I think that guys are, I think that would really help you guys. Well, we appreciate the, f- oh, sorry about that, Cole. I didn't mean to cut you off. Do you have anything? No, go ahead, man. Well, I was just going to say, well, we first off appreciate the uh, the feedback. And ironically, as you state that, you were that for where we were at, honestly. Well, what were the, I mean, the guests like you had on before, you had a couple of Jeremy's friends and, and then you had Dom, obviously. But like, what did you guys talk about? Like, what was the, like the main theme of each of each episode before with your guests? Um. Specifically for, yeah, for like, um, for Sam and Dom, I think it was more, you know, getting to know them professionally because Dom has started his, his nonprofit and he started his life with the Chicago Pairs and Sam, uh, is a ER technician during coronavirus. So it was, I think it was crucial to have Dom on because Dom is a very, very successful person that we all knew and to get Sam on was also very crucial. Because he was dealing with something that we all deal with, but at a much higher level. And then we went, went and got Zach, Cole's friend, and Zach brought a completely different perspective where he's literally living his life through his faith. And he's, he's not someone that's business-oriented. He's faith-oriented, which was a good change of pace for us because he is, he was a, he's a wonderful speaker. I, I, I mean, he's probably the best speaker I've heard in a long time. And he'll he'll talk your ear off for ages. And there's always there's always a point to get someone on because we believe you can bring something different to the table. Absolutely, man. That's like what I said. Like it's always good to have just people that bring a different perspective for everything, like in life. And like you can do, you can have the next person on be a sales job, 
but they may look at it totally different with totally different motivations and things like that. So it's just good to have as many different backgrounds as possible. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. First off, I'm going to have Cole, um, we're going to go ahead and, and have him ask you some fun questions, but we actually got to get a girl on here. That's our, that's our next guest. So like yeah. if any of the listeners are girls, please feel free to message if you're interested on in coming on. We'll, we'll talk to you a little bit beforehand, but we got to bulk up our diversity a little bit. Dude, honestly, I think Leah would be a good person to have on this. She's got a lot, like, the, the fact that she can talk about really serious topics when it comes to, like, race and things like that nature because she teaches at a low-income school first grade with mostly black and Hispanic kids. And she she's, like, trying to really, really do make a difference with, like, racial inequality right now. So that would be a good thing. Like, if you want a girl, man, I can ask her. She would, she would definitely be down to talk about that. She wants to reach as many people about that as possible. So if you need a girl, man, I got you. <laughs> Thank you very much. We, uh, I think we are definitely going to uh, consider that. And I think Leah would actually be a very great guest for us. Absolutely, man. Hey, so Emmett, we play a game kind of just to, to, to wrap things up on this podcast with every guest we have on. Um, I, I like coming up with just like random questions, especially that kind of like fit into your wheelhouse and every guest that we have come on fit into their wheelhouse. So I got like four four little questions for you and then uh everybody's gonna kind of say their piece and and we're gonna get out of here okay all righty man sounds good okay so in your experience you're very experienced at both of these things what is harder to hit a golf ball or a baseball a baseball is harder to hit i think that's pretty self i mean there's some people that can't hit a golf ball. They can't hit it off the ground. It's I couldn't great. hit a golf ball to start out. You know that. <laughs> yeah, dude. You know what's you know what's funny is Great Kane put it the best. Great Kane's one of my, one of my good friends. Um, people from Upper would know him as Zach Kane, but he's put it the best. He's like, dude, I get so fucking frustrated because I constantly hit a moving ball where I don't know what's gonna do, and I can't fucking hit a ball sitting right there and get it to what I want to do. <laughs> That's so true, man. But as far as hitting the ball. I think obviously you got that element of you don't know what's coming for a baseball and it could spin moves and stuff like that. So obviously it's harder to hit, but for golf, golf's like all mental. I mean, baseball is mental too, but golf is like, it's mental because it's sitting right there and you can't, and if you can't hit it the way you want to, it just fucks with your head. So (laughs) (laughs) that's a good answer. I like that. Um, what, uh, so obviously, you know, we've talked about you moved around a little bit. What's, uh, What's the best bar scene you've been a part of? Up in Green Bay, in Houston, or down in Florida? I haven't got to go in Fayette, dude. Um, if I I haven't got to go out too much in Houston yet, but um, best bar scene, man, it's got to be Miami. Wow. Miami. Yeah, Miami. Miami's just crazy, man. There's like they don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck down there at all. <laughs> It's like a completely, it's a, it's a kind of different because it's like actual like nightlife. Like it's like clubs. And that's the first thing I've had. That's like the first time I've ever actually gone clubbing. So like Miami's totally different. As far as like just a good genuine bar, bar scene, from my experience, it would probably be like, I don't know, man. Like go, it, it, all, it all depends on the people too that you're with. Because like... Because the people make the most of it, but I don't know. That's a tough question, man. But for, as far as, like, craziness, I'd have to say Miami. All right. Miami's a good answer. 
Yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about it at all, actually, which I'm surprised it didn't get brought up. But you're you're like a diehard Packer fan. I mean, I mentioned like Green Bay as one of the bar scenes. You're from De Pere, so right outside Green Bay. What is your favorite moment as a Packer fan? Favorite moment as a Packer fan? That's a, that's a good question, too. Probably, I mean, I got to say the Super Bowl. I was pretty young for the Super Bowl. I was only like, how old was I? I was 13 when they won the Super Bowl. But obviously, like, it had a super emotional impact on me. Like, I wanted to cry when they won it. Like, it was felt like it wasn't real. It was crazy. But as far as, like, since I've grown up a little bit, um, it had to have been when it was me, Jake Grieco, Brett Fanning, which we talked about. These are all people that go to Upper Iowa, and my brother. And we went to the Packers-Vikings game when it was, like, negative 30. And it was just so fun to, like, tailgate in that weather. And that was, like, an awesome game to go to. Even though we got even though we got blown out, we lost. We got shut out, actually. But as far as, like, the whole tailgating scene, that was that was pretty fun, man. That's, pretty, that's the frozen tundra, like, legit, that, that's like, like word the, for word. Yeah, that's, like, the ultimate Packer experience. That's why it was so awesome. There you go. Um, so, you know, you, you are just going to be getting into some reading uh and and everything but if there is like if there's like a video that that you've seen maybe like on youtube or like a quote maybe that you've seen somewhere just for our listeners that that they could like you know if they were to happen to to see it or they wanted to go search it out what's one like quote or book or video that has really really impacted you in your life up to this point yeah that's a really good question one person that i do want to plug um See if I can find his name without taking up too much time. But uh, Tony Robbins. Have you heard of Tony Robbins ever? Nick loves Tony Robbins. Yeah, I just started watching him. I think he, some people have their opinions on him that he's like super egotistical and stuff like that. I just think, I just think he has, and his net worth is $600 million to be an inspirer for a reason. Like he is so, like just the stuff he says, he's such a good, like he's the best speaker that I've seen. Like he's such a good speaker. Um, and he has so many different videos on like every single field. He helps everybody. He helps people. He had, he helped people with like their sex life. He helped people that were suicidal. He helps people get inspired for at like athletes. He helps people in sales and business get inspired. Like he's like so, he's so wide variety of what he does and how he helps people. I think if anybody can listen to Tony Robbins and anything he has to say, I think um, it'll really be helpful for them. So that, that's what I would have to say. That's awesome, dude. That's a great answer. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and plug like your social media so people can follow you. They can like get in touch with you. Maybe they hear the song, they like it. They can they can let you know. And and then uh, the three of us are gonna wrap things up. Okay. Um. So yeah, I guess for the song, um, I just go under Emmett. I didn't want to use my full name just because if something were to happen, I were to get famous. I don't want people constantly calling me by my full name. But so I just Emmett, E-M-M-E-T-T, and the song's Pure Pressure. That's the one song I have out right now. Hopefully soon I can get some more songs out for people. But um, as far as, like, my Twitter and Instagram, I'm not, like, super active on those. But um, for my Twitter, I kind of just, like, I don't really – I post a lot of dumb stuff on there. He's got some <laughs> random stuff that will make you laugh. I'll say that. Yeah. So – but my Instagram um, is ekulik. E K U L I C K five one seven. I post a lot of different stuff. I'll post music stuff on there. I'll post golf stuff. I'll just post like my life on there. So um if you want to follow me, you can. If you don't have to, I'm not forcing you to. I'm not the most interesting person in the world. But if you want to, it's that's that's just fine. But 
yeah besides that man that's pretty much it for that i'm not <laughs> i like go on social media a lot but i don't post a lot so but Fair I, I, hope to, I hope to in the future when i'm actually it becomes like marketing and stuff like that and showing people actually if i get some sort of fan base for something that's all about right. well hey hopefully people can get on the train early and they can say they knew you when or like they get they get to know yeah. you now um so for everybody listening as far as we go you know we're state street pod on instagram on twitter um state street podcast on facebook and uh, my social media is just at cole Zizinski, at cole ski or at cole underscore ski 23 um but dude emmett like thank you so much for coming on dude because we needed a little bit of a lighthearted conversation and like nick said you were the perfect person to come on at this time like this night and and uh i yeah dude i am super pumped to, to like to hear about what's going on and i'm super glad that you and leah are down there in houston and in the warm in like the warm weather and, and just enjoying life together, man. I'm super, I'm super happy for you both. Thanks, man. I, I really appreciate that, man. I knew this was going to be awesome. Cause I just like, I like talking to you guys in general. So I knew it was going to be easy to talk to you guys. It wasn't going to be like, I'm nervous or I'm getting like drilled with questions or whatever it may be. But yeah, dude, if you ever want to have me on like later and see how we're all doing again, um, see if, how our goals are doing and stuff like that. I would love to come back on, but, um, yeah, dude, it's fucking hot as shit in my room. Jamie made me turn the fan off. I'm just <laughs> so hot. Yeah, I just noticed you started sweating. I was, I, I, I kind of feel dude, bad was, making you turn your fan off in Houston, dude, Texas. It's hot as shit. Well, man, it's it's been a blast, and honestly, I can't wait till we have a a three ten Volga uh, reunion at some point. I, I feel like that's a little overdue, and hopefully, we can get that uh get that in the works at some point. Absolutely, I would love to, man. I would love to meet up with all you guys in person again. Plus Nick. Nick wasn't part, but he can come with. Yeah, Thanks. Nick. I appreciate it. Well, hey, Jared, <laughs> do you have any social to plug or did Cole um, do all that? Yeah, Cole, Cole uh, plugged the social media. And honestly, if you want to follow any of us, you can go to that page and it will link you to our social medias. So the, probably the easiest way for us to get the social media out is if you want to follow us, hit up our main page and then you can you can find us from there. And just so everybody knows, I'm still working on my Instagram account. Um, we'll get that out at some point, maybe in the next couple of years, but, um, anyway, no, dude, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. It was going to be an honor regardless. And, uh, it was a, a very nice glass of refreshing wine for you to get up on here or whiskey for all the, the listeners out there, but ladies, it's time for you to get to bed. I know you've had that full bottle of wine, so put a cork in it and, and thank you everyone for tuning in. We appreciate it. And until next time, guys. Hey.